the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Prof. So going back to something we were touching upon a little bit earlier in the show with Rod Dreher, uh, one of Joe Biden's executive orders reinstituting uh, race, racial uh, political indoctrination for the federal workforce, something that President Trump had banned. And uh, Andrew Sullivan, man on the left, not a Trump fan, uh, writing about uh, this. Biden is enforcing the Ibram Kendi view that the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. And he's enforcing it across the entire federal government and any institution the federal government funds. To show he's serious, he's appointed Susan Rice to enforce equity in a whole of government approach. America is no longer about individual freedom. It's about identity, group power, and it's constant management by government. Well, over the weekend on uh, Bill Maher's show on HBO, Politically Incorrect of all places, he actually had um, a pretty sharp podcaster named Kameli Foster who uh, helped the audience understand the difference between equity and equality. They are not synonyms. Take a listen to Kameli Foster. Towards equity, racial equity, and a focus disproportionately on outcomes is something that is rather new, but seems to have taken the country by storm. It's, and, it's yeah, almost the only thing people can talk about. Equity meaning as opposed to equality. Equity as opposed to equality. Which, can you... I can give you a practical example of that. Yes. COVID, we were just talking about a moment ago. We know that the most vulnerable population when it comes to COVID are older people. That if I took people over the age of 55, sure. that's 80% of the deaths. There have been actual conversations about prioritizing people on the basis of their race because COVID is said to disproportionately impact black people relative to white people. It is a ridiculous proposition, but it's a proposition that's found its way into the mouths of governors here in California, the the pages of the New York Times. We're actively talking about this kind of ridiculous because we actually know when we look at the global impact of COVID in the United States, again, 80% of the people who are dying are older, around 18% of the people who are dying are black. A life lost to COVID is a life that matters. And we can well, focus on the people who are vulnerable without making this about race. Making it about race only obscures the actual issue. If, and it's separate, to help, if you help. separate race from economic insecurity, sure, right? Like, like Hispanics are hospitalized at three, four times the rate of white people for a variety of reasons. For a variety of They're essential workers. Right. They're riding the bus from Boyle Heights to Beverly Hills. The important point is that it's not fundamentally about race. You can't un-Hispanic them. There may be different issues in their communities. It could be that they live in, well, in homes with more people. It could be that they live in more urban centers. If that's the case, the policy you're tailoring is for people in urban centers, not Latinos. This is a confusion of categories that is actually distracting us from forging good policy. What you get is great sound bites. You right. don't actually fix problems. It always it, yeah. it makes people great sound bites. <laughs> great sound bites. You don't actually fix problems. Yeah, that was a great distillation by that the podcaster Camille Foster. 
equity versus equality. Uh, rinse and repeat it in your circles of influence. Uh, the woke temple on Twitter uh, has uh, a couple of other succinct explanations or uh, useful examples, maybe, that drive the point home, the point that Kameli Foster was making and others. James Lindsay, we've talked about with critical race theory, Christopher Rufo, who's done great work on the topic. Uh, the Woke Temple's tweet over the weekend, I'm for ending cancer. You are either anti-cancer or pro-cancer. My anti-cancer plan involves leeches and bloodletting. You're against my plan? Then you're not anti-cancer, you're pro-cancer. Hey, everybody, this guy is pro-cancer. That's how to understand Ibram Kendi's anti-racism. I'm for ending cancer, but I don't agree with your plan. Therefore, you're pro-cancer. And then shout it out. Everybody, this guy's pro-cancer. Ostracize him. That's what they do because it's an intellectual fraud. Another uh, multiple choice to hopefully drive this home. You're a scholar. You come up with a new theory. Somebody disagrees with your theory. What should you do? A, defend your theory. B, address your critics' questions. C, address your critics' disagreement using reason, logic, data, and science. D, attack the race and motives of your critic. And so what is done by the critical race theorists, by these academic and intellectual frauds, by these race hustlers? You disagree with me because you're a white person suffering from white fragility. You disagree because you are a black man enacting whiteness. You disagree because you're a black woman suffering from false consciousness. That's what it is. And this is winning the day. This is winning the day. Stunning, isn't it? Listen, the more you'll know. This, this, this is the Dan Proft Show.